Last week, we launched a new sermon series from the four smallest books of the New Testament. We began with the book of Philemon. We're calling them the Power Pack Postcards. They're four smallest books of the New Testament, yet they're filled with powerful truths that we need to be applying to our lives today. And so today we come to the second part of Philemon. We launched last week with looking at the first seven verses and saw the resume of a forgiver and saw some of the very descriptions that Paul was giving about who this man Philemon was. Now, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go online and go back to see the message from last week to catch up on the explanation and exposition of the first seven verses that will help you going on into at least this week and next week as we finish off the book of Philemon. Now, in order for us all to be on the same page, let me just recap a couple of the thoughts about last week and about the book of Philemon as a whole. The book of Philemon is about reconciliation between Christians and building that relationship and healing. And so Onesimus, which his name means uh, useful, he was a slave of Philemon, and uh, they lived in the city of Colossae. Now, Philemon had been saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But when the writing of Philemon happens, Paul is in a Roman prison uh, for preaching the gospel. And Onesimus, for one reason or another, has either stolen or done something wrong to his master Philemon. And he has fled. And he has run from the city of Colossae to Rome, which would be some 1,200 miles away. Now, while he is in Rome, he finds Paul. Whether that was his end game and target, he does find Paul, meets Paul, and Paul leads Onesimus to a saving relationship to Jesus Christ. Now, Onesimus spends some time with Paul. He was good to the use of Paul and to his ministry, not knowing the specifics of what he did while he was there, but knowing that Paul got to know Onesimus a little bit, now it was time for Onesimus to make things right with Philemon. And so Paul writes this small letter that we know as the book of Philemon, and he writes it as a plea to Onesimus, or to Philemon, to forgive and restore Onesimus back to him. Paul even, as we're going to see today, offers to pay any debt that Onesimus might owe to Philemon. So let's pick up in verse number 8 and uh, travel with me for a few moments By the way, I wasn't going to say anything because I don't want to be distracting to the time that we do have together in the passage, but rest assured, we're not looking at our 40-minute message as usual, okay? But if you can stay engaged as best as possible, I know it's warm and very distracting to our mind and to our body, but let's be purposeful in our time together, knowing that we want God to speak to our heart today, and so let's in tune to that for at least the next 10 to 12 minutes. Paul, or verse number eight, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable and now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels or my own heart. Receive him as you would my own heart, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, 
but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Today we look at these verses and we see the actions of a forgiver. Last week we saw the description of who Philemon was, a resume of a forgiver, and now the act of forgiving. Let's dig into that. Father, we ask for your guidance in these few moments together. We want to be very purposeful in the things that are said and the application that is offered. And so, Lord, we need that from you. We need a supernatural intervention on our heart and our mind so that we might be open and in tuned to what you would have for us so that we can be changed, challenged, convicted. We might be better because of our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme of Philippians is, or Philemon, is forgiveness, though the word is never found or used within the text. Neither does the communication of any doctrinal principles that would lay a theological foundation for forgiveness. None of that is used within this letter. Paul is not going to appeal to law or principle, but he's simply going to approach this one with love. As you noticed in verse number 9, he says, yet for love's sake. This is going to be the very the crux by which Paul is going to plea or urge Philemon to offer forgiveness. And it's going to see here in verse number 8, this word wherefore, or as we have seen in other texts, it would be the word therefore. And it is making a transition from the first seven verses and the, as the introduction to now the body of the letter. This is the bulk of things. This is where we want to really pay attention as the reader of this letter. Paul could have approached this with much boldness in Christ to command Philemon, command him to offer forgiveness. Because the apostle Paul would have had that authority over Philemon, whom he led to the Lord. There were several that all through the New Testament is recorded or in the writings of Paul of, of his children in the faith would have been Titus and Timothy, Philemon would be one of them, the Christians at Corinth, the Christians at Thessalonica, he refers to, or Galatia, they refer to them as children of Paul. They were led to the Lord. So he could have approached this with much authority that says, Philemon, if you want to do what is right, then I urge you, I tell you to do it this way and to do it immediately. But rather, he is going to approach this as a love request. It's going to be an act of forgiveness fueled by his spirit of love. Remember last week in verse number one, he calls him our dearly beloved brother. In verse number five, he recognizes that Philemon functions with a love for God and love for people. In verse number seven, he reminds Philemon that his love is an encouragement and a refreshment to the saints, to the believers. And now here in verse number nine, he's gonna reiterate it that it is because of his love that he urges Philemon to do his part. Now, this is the kind of love that is a choice. It's, a, it's an act of the will. It is something that is sacrificial and self-giving. And by the way, when we offer and we give forgiveness to someone who has wronged us, it is fueled by that love that is a choice. It is an act of the will, self-sacrificing, self-giving. Now, notice in our text that Paul references himself as the aged or the aged. Paul was only about 60 years old in writing this. An old man in the era of shorter lifespans, but in today's standards, you who are 60 and older, you would probably say, we're far from old, and so this would not be a description of me. But when he uses this word aged, it would help us to understand that Paul was much older than his years would tell, for we know that the years of suffering that he endured it accelerated his aging process. He probably looked much older than he was, probably felt much older than he was. 
And when someone says to you, wow, you look really older than you really are. <laughs> Has that happened to anybody in here? Okay. Somebody said I was in my, they, they wanted to give me a senior saints discount the other day. What? <laughs> I think she was just trying to be nice. That was at Bell's. I was standing by my dad and, and I was like, I can't believe this. But anyway, okay. So if they ever say, wow, you look really old for your age, well, forgive them first and then think, well, I'm in pretty good company. I'm with the Apostle Paul looking old for my age. Now, Paul is going to use this um, a reminder to prompt Philemon's pity in verse number uh, nine when he says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's almost as if he's rattling his uh, chains again, reminding Philemon, hey man, I'm here in Rome. I'm in prison for the gospel's sake. Please give ear to the things that I'm telling you. So the actions of a forgiver, let's go through these very quickly. The actions of a forgiver, you have them in your bullets and you got them in your notes. If you wanna go online, parkwaybaptist.org. You can click on the link there. You've got them there and you can fill in your own notes as we go. Reception is the first step in the process of forgiveness. And so number one, they are open to resolve conflict with an offender. The action of a forgiver is that they are open to resolve conflict with an offender. And Paul is going to plea with Philemon here to offer this. And what I think of it best is as if there is an avoidance of a stiff arm and there's an avoidance of a crossed arm here. You know, if somebody is talking to you and pleading their case and really wanting to have a heart-to-heart conversation with you, they say that a bad element of, of communication on our part is crossed arms because it's a closed book. I don't care what you say. I don't really want to hear it right now. Now, if your arms are crossed, that doesn't mean that's what your attitude is. But that's just in, in a conversation that typically is the mode. Or, obviously, a stiff arm, you know, talk to the hand. That was something they, we used to say in the 90s. Uh, talk to the hand. Uh, so, again, this is a closed, a closed approach. So, Paul is telling Philemon that the act of forgiveness is going to be open to resolving the conflict. Think about how Jesus did that with us and continues to do that on our behalf with open arms, 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians, the churches in Asia Minor, and he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's certainly not a stiff arm, nor is it a crossed arm. It is wide open arms that says, I'm open and ready to receive you, waiting for you to come back. And we need to put that into practice. Husbands and wives open to resolving the conflict Parents with your children, open to resolving conflict. Let's not be that person that likes to hang things over people's heads. Let's not be the person that walks around thinking, well, I'll give you 24 hours to wallow in your pity, and then maybe, just maybe, I'll be open to resolving the conflict that we have. Jesus with open arms says, confess, repent, and I forgive. And so here we find that the action of a forgiver is open for the resolve with an offender. Number two, in verses 15 and 16, they desire to restore the relationship for the long run. There's so much good content here in verse 15 and 16. Paul explains the providential hand of God at work in Onesimus's escape. And Paul is requesting Philemon not only to receive Onesimus back, but to receive him back into full fellowship. Not to receive him back for the benefit of himself, but to receive him back for the benefit of Onesimus. And he pleads in that case for him. 
Now you say, well, what's going on in this culture and in this day and age? We have to remember, considering the huge amount of slaves that the Roman Empire would have had, they thought the harsh punishment against an escaped uh, slave would be a rebellious slave was necessary, a swift, harsh judgment. And so this empire had 60 million slaves. They were constant fears of a slave revolt going against them. And so if one ever escaped or showed signs of rebellion, if they were brought back and captured, then they might have been crucified or they could have been branded with a red-hot iron on the forehead with the big letter F for fugitive. And so it was not looked on lightly with an escaped or rebellious slave. And so for Philemon to show up, in, or for Onesimus to show up in Colossae holding the scroll by which Paul has sent him with, hoping that he would have conversation with Philemon once he gave him the letter, Onesimus is on shaky ground. But he realizes very quickly that the desire to restore the relationship for the long run was not only on Philemon's heart, on Paul's heart, but also on Onesimus' heart. So this was going to prove to be what would happen. We understand why Paul's phrase in verse number 12, he said, my own bowels, my own heart. He says, please receive him with this way. He uses this phrase, uh, verse number, and let's just look at verse number 15. He says, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season. Now this, this lets down all guards. So Paul is not going to push his agenda uh, or be forceful here, he's going to say, perhaps, maybe, maybe, just maybe Onesimus escaped for just a season, for just a little while. Perhaps this is the way it was done. In order for you to receive him back for the long run, for the future, for eternity. And so he is going to say this in such a way that Paul is going to use what we would call a gentle stroke, as he has used all throughout this book. What a great approach that we can learn from too. To be more gracious and kind with our approach to the offender so that we might receive them back, not for the short term, but for the long run. I think even in, uh, in Discover Parkway class this morning, uh, Ron brought it up as we were talking about this forgiveness and the conflict management. And when we go to an individual who we have disagreement or conflict with and we want to seek reconciliation with them with, by the end of that conversation, we usually gain a stronger relationship with them. We usually gain a brother. We gain somebody uh, who maybe we're going to be able to go through thicker things with later down the road. We found that in marriage. You found that to be the case when you had to work through conflicts and you had to work through disagreements, that when all was restored, you found a stronger bond to work from. The weak links become the ones that are, are kind of brushed under the rug, are kind of Put, a, put aside and pretend like it's really not there until it becomes a canker sore and explodes on you. So the ones that are dealt with, the conflict that is dealt with and resolved is the one that becomes stepping stones to a healthier marriage or a healthier relationship, whichever we're referring to. Then last, number three, verse 17 and 18, they do not require compensation for the offense. Paul is going to say in verse number 17, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If you consider me as this spiritual partner, then receive Onesimus in that same way. You remember we talked about this last week in verse number nine, or verse number six, this spiritual partnership. 
The Greek word konania there in verse number six is the word communication. And this is the word for fellowship. It's the word for partnership. It's the word to belong. And Paul is going to reiterate that again. He talks in verse 16 and now again in verse number 17. And he's going to make sure Philemon understands this partnership, a place to connect. And so this is going to be a plea that Paul is going to use in requesting mercy. Now Paul's willingness to fully compensate Onesimus' debt to Philemon, it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us on our behalf. Paul says, if there's any debt that is owed, I will take care of it. And Jesus Christ said, there's a lot of debt that is owed, and God the Father, I will take care of it. I will be the price and the payment, I will be the substitute to step in their place. You know, many people who have a genuine love for somebody is willing to step into the place. It's the father, the mother that is driving down the road with the two little kids in the back when they're driving down the country road with the windows down and all of a sudden screams come out of the back seat and it's because a little bumblebee has flown into the back seat. Now, those things really do happen, by the way. And, and uh, I can't say that I was a heroic, as this story would tell. But the dad says, it's okay, just let him fly around until the bumblebee landed up and finally stung the dad. And the dad took the stinger so that the bee would plant it and then wander off and die. Now, that doesn't really happen with wasps. So if it happens with a wasp, dads, don't be heroic. Just throw the kids out the door and you try to figure out what to do with that. Okay, moving on. So the sacrifice that we are willing to make for somebody that we love is exemplified here with Paul. Paul was willing to pay the sacrifice, the price, for Onesimus to be returned. Look at, look at how Paul viewed Onesimus. Paul didn't send Onesimus back and say, dude, you gotta, you're going to have to live with it. You've got consequences that you are going to have to live through. Yeah, I've heard the Roman Empire. They crucify escaped and rebellious slaves. I'll pray as you return that that's not your end result. That was not Paul's plea. Paul didn't say, hey man, I hope you get back and you'll get some forgiveness and maybe you'll find yourself to be in good grace and maybe you will find yourself to be able to work in his house still and he'll be halfway kind to you, but man, you're going to have to suffer through some consequences for what you've done. That was not Paul's approach. Paul simply sent him with a plea of forgiveness and said, if there's any debt to be paid, would there have been? Well, certainly. Philemon probably had to spend money on a, another uh, slave. He probably would have had some things that fell through the cracks. He probably had some frustrations and issues. And this whole spirit is, is fuming in the church at Colossae. So you've got people that are upset. How could this guy do this? How could he leave Philemon? Philemon's such a nice guy. He's such a, a good Christian man. And, and so all of this conflict Onesimus is going back to. And you think about the conflicts and mess that we have in our life. And yet Jesus said, I will go and I will pay the price so that they can experience forgiveness. Now, we wrap all of that up. We think about how a beautiful picture here of the gospel. Jesus paying the price, God extending the gift of salvation and for us to be willing to receive it and God looking at us as righteousness through the eyes of Jesus Christ, his son. Now, do you want to be more like God? I think we all would say I would then be willing to forgive. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Then pay someone else's debt so that they can be reconciled and that reconciliation can happen. Paul was willing to suffer temporarily 
temporary consequences for Onesimus' sin, just as Jesus was willing to suffer eternal consequences for ours. The Bible does not record what Philemon did, but he no doubt must have forgiven Onesimus and charged nothing against Paul. In the light of Christ's forgiveness of Philemon and Paul's appeal to him, how could Philemon do any less than exhibit the actions of a forgiver? Now today, we bring it to the conclusion. That says, God, why would you have us in a text like this and go through a message like this with all the distractions as sweat is dripping down our back and we're wondering if we have rings? Yes, we do. So we're wondering all of that. So now is the time to say, God, in the rapidness of what was preached to us today, would you still my heart so that I can hear what you really need for me to hear? That would be my prayer today. And so would you bow with me, Father? I... I have done the best to my ability to communicate with you what you would have for us. And I pray that I have not steered away from that. But so Lord, now in these closing moments, we want to ask you to work in our hearts as individuals. We stand before you as individuals in areas that we say we need to be reminded of or we need to work on. I understand that the forgiveness series, Getting Rid of Baggage, finished up just a few weeks ago and it kind of it just piggybacked right into this Philemon, which is just, again, all about forgiveness. So we're, we're, we're wanting to be careful not to beat a dead horse, but we're also wanting to be purposeful in communicating the text that you've given us. And so whoever needed this message today, would you open their heart and may they, may they be dealing with you right now. Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, give us that opportunity to communicate truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.